Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. While many of my guests are talking from experience and often professional prowess is at the heart of these podcasts, but not always. Life is more than career or business and the politics of everything was never designed to be an entirely business-minded podcast. Enter today's guest who has a new book, How to Get Laid on Tinder for Men, and that caught my imagination right away. To set the scene, Maureen Pound had not had a single date in seven years. She was busy running her own business, raising two sperm donor children on her own, and that was a bit life-changing because she basically had an incident which really set the scene for what happens next. She was in Thailand on a bike ride with 50 other entrepreneurs raising money for orphans, and she decided to get back on that horse and what an adventure. And when we say the horse, I think we mean the dating horse. Over the last six years that followed, she matched with thousands of men on Tinder, talked with over 500 and met close to 100. She went on walks, played tennis, had coffee, dinner drinks, and had a few sneaky rendezvous. She heard stories of frustration and annoyance from a lot of men and decided she wanted to help, to share ideas and strategies to help them meet great people. And that's how the idea for how to get laid on Tinder for men was born. She's passionate about supporting men and giving them the tools to communicate well, both online and offline. She's practical and fun and not afraid to be direct. So this should be one heck of a podcast. And just a small warning, perhaps this is not one for minors or anyone not keen to understand what goes on in the Tinderverse. So welcome to my show, Maureen. Thanks, Amber. I'm excited to share that my only podcasting platform of choice since I launched The Politics of Everything in 2017 has become my first sponsor. Check out the podcaster discount link in our show notes and stay tuned to find out more soon. Well, this should be lots of fun, but I want to sort of delve into something I ask all my guests. Do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up and did that happen? What's your kind of career and professional journey? So I grew up the youngest of nine children, a bit of a working class family. Um, They're much older than me. I spent a lot of time on my own. So I used to spend days out on the concrete veranda, looking at the grass, talking to the grass. Uh, My ultimate career was mother of the world where I could inform anybody what to say and how to say it in any situation. So so sure you're not really expecting that, um, but it sort (laughs) of did come into fruition because my first job was when I was 14 and I worked at Coal City Store 200 And I was there for many years while still at school and university. And I did, in fact, know what to say to anybody to get the result that I wanted. So uh, one incident was that I basically lost it one day with the HR manager. And I think even swore at her. And I don't know what was going on for me, maybe um, year 12 exams. And most people would be sacked. So she called me up to the office and I talked my way out of it. In fact, she gave me a promotion. 
Wow. That sounds very bold and perhaps sets the scene for how you ended up writing a book like you have. I want to just take your mind back. You've obviously been on loads of dates and Tinder's been around for a while. And I have to admit and confess, I've watched other people on Tinder, but I've been married for a very long time and met my husband the very old fashioned way at a party in Bondi many years ago. So I've not actually experienced this world, but I have vicariously lived through friends of mine who've been on lots of Tinder dates and the other apps as well. Do you recall that first experience on Tinder, perhaps when you've downloaded that app and then sort of getting familiar with, you know, all the matches and the likes and whatever else happens? How did that make you feel the first time you you kind of had that experience? So I want to hear Amber say, I've had two experiences. So I went on, you know, one of the first apps, which was RSVP many years ago. I remember that one. And I had very ordinary experiences, even though it was 90% men back then, back in the early 90s. And I put up a photo of me. I thought I looked attractive. I was rugged up in in, in winter and I got like a a few matches and had a few dates, but it was very ordinary, an ordinary experience. Um, When I went on all those years later onto Tinder after the bike ride, I was feeling feeling fit and healthy and strong and I had really good energy and I took this one selfie of myself and I looked strong, fit, healthy. I'm very proud. I've got a good cleavage. (laughs) Um, And I put this photo up and I was very apprehensive because I even though people had told me to go on it for years, I was like, oh, no, I can't, I can't. I was fearful of the rejection. I actually got a really good response. So, so I felt vulnerable, but I soon got confirmation that I suppose I was desired um, and attractive. So it's quite very different experiences. And is that just the nature of how instant the app gives you that, if you like, and I'm putting quote marks in the air, gratification, which is kind of similar to the dopamine fix we get in all social media in a way, you know, when you get likes and so forth. I mean, that has an impact on our self-esteem and perhaps validation in a way. Is, Is Tinder just really good at doing that? Yeah, it is. And there's been some research done around it that says that, you know, 60% of people go on it for that validation. And I'm just like, wow, like that's pretty crazy because you do, you get an instant fix of, of getting a match. and that, But that's quite problematic sometimes because sometimes when people are on it for that reason, then they're not going to do anything with the matches. So there's disappointment at the other end if there is somebody else who's actually there to, to meet people. Yeah, absolutely. In IRL, as my kids say in real life, I mean, not everyone wants to just stay on the app, I guess. You know, sometimes it's more than that, hopefully, for a lot of people. So what do you think the best thing is about Tinder dating? And then again, what's the worst? And do you have any stories? And of course, we don't expect you to disclose names while you share these stories. So the best thing is that you can't see your competition. Yeah, right. So you're no longer at the pub with your mates hitting on the same. Or doing speed dating. Yeah, Do you remember that? Look, when you all, oh, I did that. Gosh. I was around yeah, for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and speed dating, you only had a choice of 10. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so the likelihood of finding good matches and, you know, people who really connect is, is really low. So it's quite efficient, I, I think, is another point. My business partner, who's a scientist, and uh, she contributed to the book. She just found it, systemised it for herself. So she found that the best thing, she's a very auditory person, is she'd match with people. Firstly, when she put up the profile, you have to mention like a green frog 
She'd say, if you want to, you know, when you when you message me, mention Green Frog. And then, they, you know, they're, they're very creative about how they mention Green Frog. And then she'll have it like a couple of lines and then she'll just say, hey, the best way, you know, to get to know me is to have a phone conversation. And so, therefore, she cuts out people who aren't brave enough to do that who aren't keen enough to do that and so then and then she gets a real feel for them on the on the phone so that's really one of the benefits is it's almost like you can streamline it and systemize it just as Amy Webb who did a, a TED talk on it in the US about seven years ago and she found her husband uh, again she was a scientist as well had an awful photo of herself in her lab coat got no matches you know tweaked it found a process that really worked for her. So there are two really key things about it is you can't see your competition and you can create a system and streamline your your dating for yourself. Excellent. And the worst, what's the worst thing about it from your experience? The worst part about it is the, the rejection uh, and the physiological reaction your body has even if you know it's a fake profile, even if you know that person's not right for you, the fact that you're being rejected hurts. You know, our body does react that way to protect us. So it feels really ordinary to get uh, rejected. But I, I just go, well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a numbers game. And also people put all these effort into their career, you know, uh, into all in their sport, going to the gym, they spend hours. And yet some people aren't willing to, you know, and you don't always have success trying to lift the weights at the gym. You know, you have Absolutely. to work up to it. And it's the same with dating apps. So, so yes, it hurts, but I'm now quite pragmatic about it and just go, yep, okay, that, you know, that happened next, next got enough matches, it doesn't matter. And I guess in some ways everyone's in the same boat from that perspective. And, of course, we all react differently, but, you know, a lot of people would be having a lot of the same experiences. So is there a sort of sense of camaraderie in some way on Tinder or is it very individual and in some ways that's what makes it great too because you can kind of do this on your own terms? Yeah, I think I don't know about so much camaraderie on Tinder, but when people talk about the app, they can connect over their, you know, their experiences. Most people have a good dating story and an ordinary dating story. And, you know, what I think is quite not useful is where people just bag the app and make, you know, the blamers of the world who blame circumstances and, and don't realise that they come into the equation. So there's a lot of guys out there who pleasant enough guys and they, they just write on there, oh, I'm not good at taking selfies. So they don't find any other way. They don't ask their friends for a good photo of them. They don't get someone to take a photo. Oh, right. So they go on there with no photo. Like it's like LinkedIn. My equivalent obviously is different because it's professional. But I wouldn't connect with someone on LinkedIn, for example, who didn't have a profile picture, even if they were the CEO of a well-known organisation. I just find that a bit weird. Yeah, you've got to build the trust. And so or they'll put a photo where they've taken it and it's three chins and you're just like, we've got nothing else. And then you complain because you're not getting matches. We've got nothing else to go on. So, you know, and we're all human. And we're all you know, visual, so we're let's all, be honest, at the end of the day. We're all visual, yeah. you know, especially women. So I think for guys it's really important to just take some time and, and put some, you know, time and energy into getting some good photos. Play with it. Test and measure. You know, often, you know, you'll find your star photo that for some reason just works. And then, you know. Yeah. And it probably doesn't have to be like the one which is, like you say, professionally taken. It could be a selfie. Also, I must admit, I've had friends say, oh, my goodness, the problem is, is people t- put up a photo that's like five or ten years old and then they meet them in real life and it's, you know, they look like they should at their age. But 
that's not what they put out there. Yeah, and I'm not, again, in my book I mention it, if you've got a photo that you just love of you looking hot five years ago, great, but put another four up of today because then we'll know that, you know, that's an old one. That's fine, but it's just when you've only got that old one that it becomes problematic. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely, false advertising as they say. So what really prompted you to write a guide to Tinder dating for men, and I guess, you know, for a lot of people it will be about, as you say, getting laid or having sex with people that they meet, but surely there's more that goes on in, in terms of securing a fabulous Tinder date for a lot of other people. And there are many stories, I guess, of real relationships that have started online through Tinder and other apps. And so why did you have getting laid as the focus of your book? And then I know that, you know, on Tinder there's about 30 million matches apparently registered every day and that's heaps, but surely not everyone's just in it to have sex. Yes, great question. I just felt like if I wrote a book for men on how to communicate well with women that it wouldn't sell so well. Oh, clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> but not even, I think I think that's got a negative, you know, the, even the term clickbait. Sure. I'm not being misleading because I do, the things that I suggest in the book are going to help you get laid, uh, get a BJ if that's you want. I've got a section on how to ask nicely. But... It also is, you know, opportunity to to meet women for for relationships. So, for instance, the stats around that are twenty percent of people go on Tinder to get, you know, for hookups or one night stands. It's almost like they come round to the house, have sex, leave. Right. So it's some variation of that, or meet at the pub, go home, etc. Then there's twenty percent who want, you know, they know that they want a serious relationship, maybe marriage. And a third of all marriages in the US at the moment start online. So, you know, a lot of people are very successful at that. And then there's that middle ground of 60%. We'll often ask people and they don't really know what they, you know, what they want. So a lot of guys that I've met, I met, you know, six years ago, they're now got partners and babies, you know, in their, they're in their 30s. So there's this middle ground of, yeah, I'd like to meet someone, but I'm, I'm open to having some fun along the way. So... So definitely it's not all about getting laid, but especially for guys, it grabs their attention and they're not going to turn down the opportunity a lot if it, if it comes their way on their journey to finding more. Because the stats are also that you won't find many elderly men on their own in comparison to women. Men actually right. like to be partnered more than women. So, you know, I think there's this stereotype and then I've got a chapter in the book saying men are after only only after one thing and they are a relationship eventually when the time is right. Absolutely. No, that all really makes sense when you explain it like that. Um, It does say, according to the Tinder stats that I read, that almost 80% of Tinder users in 2020 were male. So are men still really the pursuers on the online dating world? What's your experience? I mean, do women need help in a book too, a different book clearly? Yes. Like, yeah, great. I I think they do. I think um, Matthew Hussey is a great resource for women who's already out there doing lots of great stuff about online dating for for women. Um, I think where, where I was coming from was that there wasn't much out there from a woman's perspective for a man because the stuff around getting laid or dating was quite, some of it was quite, was it around being deceptive or, you know, okay. towards women. And I wanted to come from, there's a lot of women out there who want fun and just sex too. We just don't admit it, right? And so I wanted to provide that resource for men from a woman's perspective. 
a woman's perspective on on how to ask to, for consent. Like they're often men are often told not what not to do. Well, yes. I always wanted to go. Yeah, hey, don't don't push her head down for a BJ. Women hate that. There's no woman that I've ever spoken to who's who likes that. Here are some suggestions. Here's here's what you could try. Here's what you could you know the conversation you could have. So I think definitely that, you know, their women have um, a, a book for women would be great as well. But I just felt really strongly about giving men a book, you know, really with resources and ideas and a few laughs as well. Of course. What advice would you give anyone wanting to meet new people on Tinder or other apps? And I guess your book covers a lot of that, that nuanced detail um, about profile pics and things like that. But I guess... Once you've sort of agreed to meet up with someone, what's some of the things which you think people need to bring to the party, if you like? I think, as you mentioned earlier, you know, about the photos, I think they're really, that's your starting point. So you really need to get some good photos. And then I think there's this thing, if you're so good looking or you're just like, you know, you're in that top 3% of men, you know, you don't really need to do anything else. Like it's, it's, you know, but most most of us, men and women, have to put in a little bit of work. So if you're not in that category, I would then, a lot of the apps now have prompts where you can, you know, you say you might share your best dating story or they give you a, a prompt to finish your story, like my best holiday destination is. So it makes yeah. it really, really easy for them. Other things that you can do is, they say that, you know, if you're connected to Spotify, is 88% more chance of getting matches as well. I don't know if that's, that's true or not. It was really wow. interesting because people feel like, I don't know, when you connect just when you connect yourself on the app to other things like your Insta or your Spotify, it also builds that trust because mm. they can go and, you know, uh, check you out. And then the other thing is uh, when you match, actually being a bit, showing an interest in the woman. Because no matter, even if you do want to just have sex with someone, a woman wants to be seen for more than that. And you need to be respectful and fun and playful or or use or even write something. And so, again, my my friend Carmen has a picture of her. She does CrossFit, lifting weights, and they'll say something like, oh, you know, know, you've got to love a strong woman. Isn't that a nice thing to say that's relating as an opening line to somebody about themselves? Because a lot of men just go, hey, and like, you know, what are we supposed to do with that? No no cheesy kind of cliche lines, I guess, as well. I mean, it should be obvious, but, you know, no bad jokes yeah. or cheesy kind of, you know, yeah. obvious. And, again, it's all personal preference. I don't mind a cheesy line occasionally if you haven't heard it before or, or you know, it's, it's, it's still better than hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. The, it's like a teenager talking like it was hey on, you know, Snapchat. It's like that's not a conversation. You need to actually yeah. add something else. And um, then, yeah, and then yeah. another thing is, around and this is getting into the nitty-gritty and most people know this but but especially say guys who've been married for years and then they come out and they're not really big on texting or apps and then you know so they're not used to it as well you know ask a woman a question when she gives an answer comment on her answer like it's, yes. it's I just leave it hanging there like or, or okay. then you ask another question then you ask you know and the questions like where do you live and we don't like these list of questions it's like you know, do you live close close enough? Uh, what are you on here for? Like, it's it's like a they just want to tick these boxes to see if you're going to be you know up for s- some fun. So we don't like that either. So it's much better to show an interest in in the person in your communication. 
And look, it seems quite simple, but maybe we've overcomplicated it because there is probably, you know, it's quite easy and a bit, a bit anonymous initially, I think, on, on Tinder and other other apps, you know, as well. It's not like when you meet someone in a bar or in a workplace or, you know, through friends where you probably can't sort of play as many games if you like. You've just, you've got to be real because you're in front of them. Do, do you think that makes a difference that initially this connection's online versus, yeah, you know, face to face? I think it's a great point. You know, when you met your, you know, your husband at the party, who wasn't your husband then, it's, you know, you just, you, you're there and you're connecting and it's great, the face-to-face, but you don't really know anything about their background. Um, like some beautiful things like more diverse people are getting to, together now due to online dating. Yep, so there's the there's an increase in interracial marriages, which I think is a great thing. So people are not just going by people who look a bit like them, that they, they can, you know, find out about people's interests and passions and values and then make a decision based on, on that, whether they want to meet the person. So, and, you know, because we tend to stick in our own little friendship groups and community. We do. And whereas we online. Do. That's limited too, isn't it? Because, you know, only, you know, only can meet so many people really at one time through friends because we've all got limited circles in a way. Yeah. And I just think that's fantastic where people are, you know, I had a friend of mine who got a, her partner's Vietnamese, another one Indian, and, and so it's like this. I just love the, you know, the diversity and opportunities for people to um To, to meet, meet who maybe otherwise wouldn't maybe. Yeah, exactly. You know. And I think that's yeah. a great thing about it. Absolutely. And I think it's a reflection of society as well and the fact that at the end of the day we're all just human and sometimes the things that we think make us different actually are not really all there. It's just perception. And so if we can, you know, allow an app helps you break down that that barrier, it's got to be a positive. Definitely, definitely. So a bit of a personal question. Have you found love and connection on Tinder? And so can you advocate that that is something that Tinder can do well? I think it can it can do well because I know a lot of people who are married or in committed relationships through Tinder. So by you know seeing it around me everywhere, I know that it happens. A lot of people still don't share they met online. I think there's still a bit of a stigma around it. Uh, it's getting better. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I imagine that how else are you really going to meet someone, particularly during COVID times, you know? We, there wasn't really mass parties or dinner parties or get-togethers. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? There's still that stigma because I, I would think it's one of the most normal ways to meet someone. It's probably stranger now to meet someone standing at a bus stop because that you know that just doesn't really happen Um, and a lot of people will say oh we met you know online and so then you don't know did you you know and and so there's less stigma a stigma around you know hinge or bumble bumble where the woman writes first or um, plenty of fish or like there's other ones tinder's just got because it started out the way it did all those years ago um the concept of you know swiping the way based on the way someone looked it still has more of a stigma but people will yeah. say, oh, you know, more people will say that they, they met online, but it's not something that they're going to share. Another stat is around, I think it's about um, a quarter to a third of people have sex on the first, when they, the first time they meet somebody, even right. back in like parties and whatever else. But we don't share that stat. You know, you don't tell your kids, hey, you know, daddy and I shagged on the first date. <laughs> um, it's not something that um, is talked about. So I think there's still, especially in Australia, we have, there's still a lot of quite conservative around, yeah. Yeah. Um, around sex and, and relationships. The other part of the question was about me. I don't actually want to find love on Tinder. So... 
Fair yeah. enough. So um, I might change my mind and that's the thing around it, you know, what I want changes, you know, quite often. But I, I feel strongly about creating a reality for myself where that it works for me and my circumstances. So, you know, I have two beautiful kids. I have amazing friends that I have, I go on holidays with, I have adventures with. I don't necessarily want to find the one person to do life with. So, and I might, you know, next year I might, but at the moment, um, yeah, at the moment, moment I don't. So I at. might change. You know, when I first went on, you know, I just, I just wanted to, you know, get sexual again after so many years and then it changed to oh actually no I want to play tennis or golf or hang out or you know whatever so there's so it's not just oh you know you just want a one night stand or you want a relationship I think it's on a bit of a continuum and there's different different versions absolutely I just want to ask you a couple of questions I ask all my guests and even though this is very much it's a blur it's it's not just a personal podcast topic I think it's professional as well because you've got a book out there but in your sort of career and business and life journey have you had a couple of mentors and are there one or two that had a great impact that you'd like to acknowledge? Um, I think my, my my greatest mentor was my mother who made sure that even though we didn't have much money that she encouraged all of her six daughters you know to go off to university and to be brave in the world like I'm do, doing by putting this this book out and then also to those you know like I had a, I did the corporate thing I had, had the corporate career and all those leaders out there and managers who acknowledged me and saw my differences as being strengths so people who yes. You know, if we had more people out there who don't fit the mould actually being celebrated and encouraged to use their strengths even more, what would happen in, in, in you know, corporate Australia and corporate America and, in you know, in businesses worldwide? I think it would be pretty spectacular. So, all, you know, they're the, my mentors and, you know, I don't want to name managers of the past, but those people out there who really celebrate difference, diversity and challenging people to use their strengths to be better and give more to the world. If we spoke in a year's time, Maureen, what would be the number one thing you would have hoped you could have changed in your life and why? Changed? Evolved, improved. You can insert whichever word you like, but I always like people to have a bit of a crystal ball to see what, you know, what they would like to, to work towards. I want to work towards, like I want to be a, a best-selling author and I want to, I'm feeling I'm, like I'm getting older now. I'm in my 50s and I feel like I don't want to, you know, head into my 60s and not have done the things that I want to do. And I've done a lot of uh, like amazing, had amazing adventures, but I want to be out there in the world, you know, giving all I've got inside without worrying what people will think of me because this book was really hard because there's judgment around there in the world, you know, and often the judgment comes from those closest to you as well. Of course. So I want to just authentic, that word gets a bit overused, but I just want to, you know, give everything, you know, not leave anything in the tank and not worry so much about being judged by others. That's a, that's a great goal. Final takeaway message for us on the politics of Tinder. The, the takeaway message would be to have a go. If, you know, if you want to get out there on the dating scene, if there's things stopping you, you've just got to take the next step. And then when you take that next step, then you'll be, you know, it'll become clearer. So just, just like anything in life, 
there's going to be some rejection, there's going to be a bit of pain, but the more no's you get, the closer you are to getting a yes. That's a great sort of way to, I think, to sum up what's been a very interesting conversation. And of course, if you do want to connect further with Maureen and buy her book, if you're interested in that, there will be some details on the show notes as always. Until next time, do take care. Thanks, Maureen. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.